would have sneered at the vanity of the pompous title Fleet Base were it not for the fact that their own aircraft was held together with hundred-mile-an-hour tape, bailing wire, and promises, and that most of the U.S. military bases she'd flown out of in the close to five years since March 2003 had all suffered from the same air of neglect and making do. Salvaged gear, left exposed to the elements or in compromised warehouses and storage depots, only took you so far. Yep, two paper tigers staring each other down in a burning barn. That's the world of tomorrow. What a fucking joke. Five minutes to insertion. Captain Lindell's voice barely registered in her earphones over the roar of the engine and the deep, thrumming bass note of the chopper blades. It was as though the tension had strangled his voice down to a clenched murmur. Royce held up her hand with all five fingers splayed and nodded at the spook. She was already preparing herself, but nodded back anyway. Michelle had watched the woman take inventory of her load before they lifted off from the container ship, three hundred miles off the coast. She watched her repeat the performance, now that they were almost at their destination. A minute later, obviously having reassured herself she had not forgotten her passport, wallet, or Gerber Mark II fighting knife, the woman closed her eyes and let her head loll back until her helmet touched the bulkhead behind her. It was the first human gesture, the first intimation of weakness, or fear, or exhaustion that Michelle had seen her make, and as quickly as it came, it passed. Her head snapped back up. Her eyes blinked once. Two minutes out. The woman chambered around in her HK-417, a metallic kerchung that never failed to lay a cold finger at the base of Royce's spine. The five fifty-six millimeter HK-416s she had seen here and there, but the 417 with a heavier 762-millimeter round, had been a rumor until tonight. The spook's brand-new Heckler and Coke was another sign that she wasn't your standard-issue, self-loving, spec-ops asshole, whispering, for I am the baddest motherfucker in the valley. No piece of shit M16 or M4 for this chick. Fuck it, she figured. Another day, another dollar. Michelle readied herself at the door, training the electric M134 minigun over the treetops, which rippled beneath her feet at a hundred and forty knots. Her knees bent to compensate for the sudden twisting, diving flight path as Lindell began to track the nap of the earth, heading for a small clearing marked on their maps as Objective Underwood. Thirty seconds. The Blackhawk pivoted, seeming to turn on a dime, as if Lindell were trying to throw them both out the rear hatch by way of momentum. The woman braced herself against the bulkhead, holding tight to a grab bar over her right shoulder. Rice sank deeper into a squat until her knees were bent almost at right angles. Then the inertia bled away swiftly as they came to hover over a patch of field between two clusters of trees. Michelle checked the ground beneath them and reported that the aircraft was clear. She signaled to the woman to step forward and hook up. The spook needed no help attaching herself to the fast rope apparatus. Royce had one second to look into her eyes before she stepped out and dropped away into the night. The woman did not look scared but there was something haunting her eyes, something in the back of the deep, clenched lines which made her face appear unusually long and drawn in the low-light amplification of the NVGs. One brief nod, a thumbs-up gesture, and she was gone, dropping down into the darkness. Caitlin fast-roped down to the clearing floor, which squelched under the tread of her canvas-sided jungle boots. She scanned the tree line for any hint of enemy presence without expecting to find it. If they were going to be fired on, chances were she'd have seen the tracers arcing in while she was dangling, all but defenseless, in mid-air. Releasing the rope, 
She signaled to Staff Sergeant Royce that she was clear, and hurried off to find cover as the chopper increased power and clawed up into the humid night. A flick of the wrist revealed the time. Oh, one twenty-six hours. She had four hours of movement before she would have to lay up for the day. It wouldn't take her all the way to her objective, but she planned to be well within observation range by the time the sun rose. The Echelon field agent moved quickly away from the drop zone, heading north by northeast, following the track programmed into her mill-grade navman GPS unit. The brush wrapped itself around her, slowing her down as soon as she'd passed under the first tree canopy. Night vision goggles resolved the environment into a flat, eerily phosphorescent landscape of sinuous roots and vines, of fat, nodding leaves, thick snarls of creeper, of rot and genesis. The smell of decay and of new life growing over the top of older, worn-out vegetation was strong, almost cloying. Clusters of such flora dotted the grassland step behind her during this, the height.